Everybody say Paul here. Yeah. Uh. Welcome to Music on the Run. This episode features an unbelievable drummer. Kenny Aronoff. He's next on Music on the Run. Before we get started here, do me a favor. Wherever you got this podcast, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you have time and like what you're hearing, make sure you write a review. It really helps us get the word out so we can have a lot more people coming to the party. Hey everybody, I'm St. Paul Peterson. Prince gave me that nickname, and I've been lucky enough to tour with people like the Steve Miller Band, Kenny Loggins, Peter Frampton, Donny Osmond, to name a few. And when I'm not playing music, I love to run. And this is a podcast about how we stay healthy on the road, physically, mentally, and with our families. Welcome to Music on the Run. Hey everybody, St. Paul here. Welcome to episode 30, I cannot believe it, of Music on the Run. My next guest is one of the world's most influential and in-demand session and live drummers. Rolling Stone Magazine, in fact, cited him as one of the 100 greatest drummers of all time. A modern drummer named him number one pop rock drummer and number one studio drummer for five consecutive years. Whew. His credits include John Mellencamp, The Stones, Springsteen, to name a few. He's an author, a motivational speaker, and he's also got the hippest glasses, so that's why I put these on. Please welcome Kenny Aronoff. Kenny. Hello, Kenny. They're all lying. It's all a bunch of lies. I'm actually a Navy SEAL, and I make pancakes on the sides. I mean, this drumming thing is phony baloney. Well, you, you know, you fooled a lot of people for a lot of years, though. So, Dude, I even have a drum set. It's like I don't even play drums. <laughs> do you make pancakes on those drums? Is that what, what the deal is? No, I do that in a... I have a big, famous pancake restaurant and actually a business called, you know, Kenny's Pancakes. Kenny's Pancakes in Irvine. Is that correct? Yeah, Irvine. Irvine. It's down for right you. now because of COVID, but I'm making COVID cakes. COVID. <laughs> you make no, COVID <laughs> well, you're, you, you know, I, I understand. That's a good business plan. I'm, I'm excited for you. You keep reinventing yourself. Wow. Yeah. I do or, that now. That's a fact. I have embraced adversity my entire life. That's true. You, well, well, we're going to get into all that before we get into all that stuff. First of all, you and I, we, we, I don't even know if you remember this. How we know each other? Probably twenty years ago, you and I did a record with a girl by the name of Shannon Kerfman. Absolutely, in in Minneapolis, and that's was right. it Tucker? Tom Tucker, wow, he got Tom the greatest Tucker was the engineer. Sounds, Sadly, he's not with us anymore. And that, and what was the name of the studio in Minneapolis? Was it Master Mix? It was the one that Tom Tucker was always at. Right, that was called Master Mix. We all owned that. Ricky, my brother, myself. No kidding. Oh yeah, we all owned that place. But and it be, ended up being becoming a school. What? Oh, oh yeah. Tucker started that school, right? He, he did start that school. Yes, he did. And wasn't there a place we go across the street, have drinks and food at the end of the session? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, why am I forgetting what that is? They got the world's greatest pork chops. Yeah. Uh, that was great, man. And was uh, was your brother on that record? Ricky was on that. I think you've played with him a few times, right? I did. I definitely did. 
Yeah. It seemed so like, he, by know, the way, the he says hello to you, and I, I can't forget to do that because uh, yeah. he wanted to make sure. He'll kill me well, otherwise. That's awesome, man. I mean, tell him I say hi. Yeah, I, I mean, sure those will. were the days where I did, you know, I had two sets of drums in Nashville, two in LA, two in New York, one in Germany, one in, in uh, Japan, believe it or not, and then obviously a ton in Indiana where I lived. But they would fly me, you know, they'd fly me for, I mean, it was when budgets were huge, I'd be flown every, it seemed like I was nonstop on a plane flying somewhere to do a record. That's the you know? good news, right? That's great news. You used to be out here all the time. You had a, a place out here for a second. I did. I was in Venice doing the Donnie and Marie show and living out there and raising my kids back here. So yep. my commit my commute was between Minneapolis and LAX. And well, that's a, and that's a, that's not bad. That's like what is it? Three and a half hours. Three flight? and a half hours. Not a big yeah. deal at all. And back then it was Northwest. Now it's Delta. But um, man, I mean that's a breeze. You, you get on there. You can do work. You can read. Back in oh, the day, I love it. And, and I'm a pilot too, so I, I love what. You don't You're know a that pilot? Yes. Oh, oh man. We get well. We'll talk. But it's I've I've been flying for 21 years. Oh my god! So I love are it. you. Are you certified to fly? What kind of planes? Just little small uh, Cessnas and uh, Pipers and things like that. That's well, why I Nathan, Nathan East and I talk a lot about that. He's I'll, a pilot. Look it. I'll get on a plane with you, but I want two engines and a parachute. <laughs> no confidence whatsoever in my ability. Well, the uh, but however, the glide ratio with a Piper Cub single engine is pretty damn good. <laughs> so what have you been doing during COVID? I want to know what you've been up to, man. Well, I mean... <laughs> You know, I'm the, like I'm the type. I'm a fight or fight guy. I when I embrace adversity head on, and so as soon as the last show I was doing with Fogarty, uh, which got canceled, uh. Uh, and and like a couple before that, I went, all right, this is for real. I came home. I made a list of, you know, I was going to go on tour all year with Joe Satriani, mm. Fogarty, and something with Billy Gibbons. I mean, I was pretty good. And I had some speaking events. I immediately wrote down what I had and what I lost. And then I created a plan of how to, you know, replace all of that with new stuff. I took four courses last year because I wanted to, this was an opportunity to grow mentally that would all feed into the speaking business. And uh, a couple of it was personal stuff. Like I took a, a positive intelligence course, which is all about moving all negative thoughts and negative energy, which is in the saboteur part of your brain, over to the sage part of your brain, which is positive. And they do, they've done uh, MRI studies where if you're always negative, you can see literally as if it was a muscle, it builds up in your brain where you think positive, it's a different muscle, and you're, the, the brain matter, you can see that it's way better to be on the positive side and it's been proven that you live you know a longer life a happier life less stressful stressful life which will make you in generally more healthy i was someone just hit me up on that i thought hmm. what the heck and i was in a group with all business you know corporate people it right. was amazing but i would never have done that if it wasn't covid now with regard to touring there was really not i mean you know that's done but thank god 12 years ago i'm in my studio right here uncommon studios la right. You know, and, and 12 years ago, when I saw the budgets change, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm living in Indiana in the Midwest like you, and all of a sudden it was like, hey, Kenny, if you happen to be in town, I went, what? 
And then I said, are the budgets changing? And they went, yeah. So mm-hmm. I got an apartment out here, eventually got this studio, built it up, built it up. And so this year, I I thought maybe there wouldn't be a lot of sessions because, you know, people are trying to survive and save their money. But the thing is, and the cool thing is, not that I had to be reinforced with this idea, but music makes people feel good. Talk about Saboteur and Sage. Yep. People make, music makes people feel good. Uh, from a place in your heart. So I think a lot of people, you know, they didn't care. And they wanted to make music. It made them feel good. It's the only thing that made them feel good in many cases. So I had a huge successful year in recording here. I even did an Access TV uh, show. It was Sammy Hagar's road show. And we had, uh, Sammy did it here. We had the camera people from Access TV come in to see if there was enough distance where they could get the cameras in and get the right shots so we did it was featuring uh lucather whose gear is right down the hall from me and he's like almost my neighbor so he was featured can you imagine sammy interviewing steve (laughs) that was great so then we actually did crossroads from like cream like when they recorded it you know with that feel and his his son trevor played bass yeah it was badass. Yes. You know, I mean, it's just the blues. So, right. and it was badass. So, and and by the way, live, no edits. Sammy's like, dude, I got a monitor. I don't need a monitor. All I have to hear is the guitar. I mean, Luke had his double Marshall stack. <laughs> and, and, and I. Because he can. Yeah, and I'm such a shy, quiet drummer. This you room are. was pounding. And the vocal mic is right there picking up. You know, but it was it, it, it was incredible. Anyway, that was the the drumming, recording, performance element. Now, because I'm a speaker and I do these speak, you know, more inspirational speeches. Yeah, tell me a little bit know, about that because I don't think a lot of people know about that side of you. Well, what? Let me just say, I adapted. I created lights and got equipment and cameras, mm-hmm. and and I got like three computers in here. Two, uh, uh, three, uh, you know. Uh, you know, TV monitors, and I got two iPads to run this whole thing, plus Pro Tools, digital performer, switchers. I mean, it's not a casual thing. It's a serious operation here. It's like a TV uh, studio. But anyway, the motivational thing, what happened, or inspirational thing is, when I came up with my, uh, I wrote my autobiography, Sex, Drums, Rock and Roll, something like that. Anyway, so I got asked to speak, and I put together a... And it, basically, I called it an evening with Kenny Aronoff. And I had a deck like you can see behind me, you know. Right. Oh, wait, here, I'll show you. I mean, I got pictures. I got slides. I can run through, you know, different things like this, you know. And, and I put together a deck that would go good with the uh, event I was doing. I, I accidentally ran into a speaking agent, and I had a meeting with him. And he, and he, he looked at me and go, look, kid or Kenny... <laughs> Because I could be his dad. He'd go, Kenny, most people think they can speak. They don't got nothing to say. Am I allowed to swear on this thing? Whatever you want, yeah. Oh, okay. So he says, look it. Most people think they can speak, but they ain't got shit to say. And he said, he explained to me how this works. And wow, it's just like anything else. Playing bass or drums, it looks easy when you make it look easy. You make it look easy, people go, oh, I can do that. Until... 
Nobody knows what goes on. And I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. It could be being an expert at scratching your bald head. There's a technique you have to learn. A lot of practice there. <laughs> <laughs> and so, actually, I came up with this method, which I talk about. It's called... <laughs> called Do we speak called, about that? Do we? Anyway, I... Uh, I have this thing called RPS. The repetition of any skill is the preparation for success. I mean, playing bass, hours and hours, mm-hmm. working on every angle, every aspect of the instrument. Same with drums, same with golfing, same with uh, diet, same with lifting weights, same with business, anything. We're not robots, we're humans. If you expect shit to come to you, and you expect, no one's born successful. You make your success. And what's more, you can't set it and forget it. Right. You got to keep working on it. to be in the old days you could become successful and that's it. These days no. Hence the covid. Look at our business. LPs to cassettes to CDs. I went enough already. And then all of a sudden CDs weren't in it was like downloading then iPods with all your music and then it's free. And right. that's what created the no budgets for yep. records because I'm on three records that sold over 40 Million copies. Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell 2 with... 10 minutes and 35 seconds. Huh? How many minutes was Bad Out of Hell? It was 10 and a half minutes, and the record on the radio, radio stations won three and a half minute songs. So (laughs) when that record was recorded, I was going... This was eight and a half minutes or eight minutes when we were recording it in L.A., and I went... You guys are wasting your time and your money, but go ahead, pay me. I don't care. Spend a week on that song. A year later, I get a call and I go, hey, Kenny, we, we want to record more songs on Battle Hell 2. Are uh, you available? Yeah, yeah. Says, and we're adding two minutes to that. I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. I went, are I'm you effing kidding me? So they added that. I would do anything for love. Right. But I won't do that except for me. I would do that. I'd do all of it. No, I won't do that. Yeah. I want to know how big that chart was. Oh, dude, that's a great question. <laughs> so, like a lot of charts, everybody knows I'm the most anal chart writer in the world. I write every note out. But Why is this, that? The reason why I write every note out is I have a shit memory, and I can record 10 songs, or let's say I do the uh, Kennedy Center Honors, or let's yeah. say I do an event with you where you're like, well, I saw you up there doing that corporate thing where you were the conductor. Yeah. and mm-hmm. Look, you hire me. You can count on me. You know, I, I I write charts, and every time you say, "Hey Kenny, could you?" I go, and, "Hey Kenny, could you?" Yep. I write down the tempos of every song. I write down who I'm going to c- count off to. When should I count off? Do I count off? Do I give the tempo to the conductor? To you, you're the MD. I'll have a discussion with you. I get a script of the show. When I do Kennedy Center Honors, I get a script of the entire rundown. When I did Obama's inauguration, I did 25 bands. And so me and the MD... You, you're see. I'm the I'm the Tom Brady. You're the Bill Belichick. You need to have me on the field to execute what you want done. And right. so the MD would call me up because man, he didn't have to worry about tempos. He'd have to worry about countoffs. I have when Tom Hanks says and the already have my sticks up. Already got the click going. I'm going. I go. I look at. I have to count off to whoever. I go. I get their attention. I go three, four, and we're in. 
I got everything written down. You don't want to mess up when Sting is there, McCartney's there, Elton John's there, Lady Gaga, Bruno Mars, 16 cameras on you, being filmed and recorded live. You're you can't. A pro- you're a perfectionist. You want to do the thing. You do your job a thousand percent is what it sounds Absolutely. like. Absolutely. So... This is the only way I'm going to remember all that yeah. information. One one example was on a meatloaf record, uh, the well, right, Bad on Hell Three. Yeah, tell me that. And so that's where we I'm were in, going with that originally. Remember the power station in? Uh, I right. can't remember. I can't anyway, either. the point is, it's Ron Neverson. Did you ever work with Ron? Mm-mm. Boy, tough, tough, tough guy. He's old school. If you don't know how to play. He'll beat you. It's not this like baby <laughs> hand holding, coddling. Oh, can you just loop my one measure and make it a song? No, I'm the guy that can play. When I record, I play from the beginning to the end. That's why it's great to write everything out from the mm. beginning to the end because you get a performance. You can't program that. You can't loop that. So, dude, learn your goddamn instrument. That's the way you become <laughs> successful. There it Back is. Back then and now. You want to make it in a business? Learn your instrument. You still will be top call, top shelf call, if you get a reputation of being a bad mofo. Right. So anyway, so Ron, I've got three pages of me scribbling. Every note, it looks like black. And so Ron, I'm making some adjustments, and here's what Ron goes. Ken, what are you goddamn doing? You writing a letter to your mom? And I said, Ron, when I get done writing my letter to my mom, I'm going to give you one take, and then you can tell me what you like about it, and then I'm going to give you another take from beginning to end. And I did. Now, here's the deal about that. You work with a producer like that, he's got zero tolerance, as you can tell. When I go through beginning to end, now he can be a producer. He can listen to me and go, oh, that's good. Okay, would you um, do this, this, and this? Sure. As opposed Mm -hmm. to, no, Kenny, there's two choruses after the second release. In other words, I know the form. I'm playing with a click track, and I know can keep time. I know all my parts. Let's him be creative. So there's this creativity going between me and him with that big glass between us. I'm a producer's delight because I can let them be creative. Creating. Now, that Bad Out of Hell song you were talking about, uh, I'll, I'll Never Do Anything With Love, But I Won't Do That. Yep. Dude, it was, I mean, it might have been like 10 pages. I had three or four music stands, and I had to keep doing this. And yeah. and Jim Steinman and would go, and, what? I can't see. Wait a minute. Oh, dude, I, I it was insane. So, uh and I was younger back then, so, you know, and I didn't have time. They didn't send back then because there were big budgets. They didn't send you, uh, like, the music ahead of time. You walk in, and they play it. God, Nashville used to terrify me. They'd play these demos that sounded like finished product. Mm-hmm. They're using the number system, and the people who want to know what that is, what they'll do is, like, if you're playing in the key of A, and the, the one chord is an A chord, the five chord would be E, so A, B, C, D, E, five chord. And then they might go five with a seven, flat three. I don't have to worry about that, but I listen to, uh, if I hear a minor chord, I go, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So they would play the song, and the bass player or the keyboard player or the guitar player would start writing out, on the fly, this number chart. Then they play it one more time, and I'm sitting there trying to memorize what I'm hearing. Then they print out the charts, 
everybody takes a chart and they go to their stations. Now in Nashville, they record everybody at once. Drums, percussion, maybe two or three guitar players, pedal steel, violin, singer, and whatever else. And everybody is impeccable. Everybody plays. Everybody has great time, great uh, feel, uh, great instruments, and everything is fast. And so while they're going out there, I'm like, please play it again. Oh, no, I know. They, they do one run-through with everybody there. And I'm yeah. sitting there scribbling, writing. I mean, these drum parts are impeccable. They're incredible. And writing. And then everybody goes in there, and I'm like, please play it one more time. And I'm writing and writing and writing and writing. Yeah. And I'll go, can you play it one more time? I write it down. <laughs> I go out there because they expect the drummer to nail it in the first take. Of course. And you have to understand, down there, it's you know all this, 10, 2, and a 6 session. That means at 10 o'clock... I get there at 9, get drum sounds at 10 o'clock, bam, we start. We're going to record three songs, just like I described. Three songs I've never heard with this process between 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock. That's oh, like yeah. one an hour. Oh, then yeah. I got one hour to get lunch and get to the next studio. Go to the next studio, or unless we're going to do it all in one studio. Next studio, a lot of times it'll be at another session. I have another drum kit over there. I get sounds, and we go through this whole process again from 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Then I got one hour to get to the next session, which could easily be another studio. Sometimes right. they'll take my kit in the first studio and then move it to the third studio. It was Whoa. just insanity. And I would just be running all over town. And so, yeah. You have to be, a, for me to be at that level, you got to be able to read music. And so, uh, you know, when I got that education in classical music, I thought, and when I graduated, I got into the, the Jerusalem Symphony Orchestra, and I right. turned it down. I turned it right. down because I, I, if I back up, you know, I saw the Beatles when I was 10 years old. I told my yeah. mom, I was blown away. I didn't know who they were. All I know is I said, Mom, I want to do that. Call the Beatles up. I want to play in the Beatles. And... You know, because at that split second when I saw the Beatles, I was like blown away. I mean, this was a heartfelt experience. I was bouncing off the wall. I was ex exhilarated. And, and uh, I didn't know who they were, where they were from, but I wanted to be doing that. And I asked my mom, call them up. I want to play with the Beatles and get me a set of drums. Well, she didn't happen to have the Beatles number, so oh. she didn't call them up. Mom. She didn't get me a drum set, but you, I showed you earlier this picture of me. and all. I, my parents went to New York and got me this uh, a snare drum and a cymbal. Anyway, so I saw the Beatles, but the cool story about that, I started that band, the Alley Cats, and I, you know, I just played through, like, Probably like you. We just played in bands all through high school. When it was time to go to college, I, I wanted, I, they asked me, what are you going to major in? Because in my family, we, we all went to college. So I said, yeah. well, music. But there was only jazz or classical majors. I'm so yeah. old, they didn't have rock. Nothing. There wasn't wow. even a drum teacher teaching rock. So I was self-taught. So I got into an okay school uh, for classical. Basically, I spent a year trying to catch up. And then... Um, I transferred to the number one school of music in the country, Indiana University School of Music, Bloomington. Hard to get into, even more difficult to stay in. I played opera every semester. I eventually won a concerto competition where I, I, uh, I you know, in your senior recital, you have to play a, a mallet piece, which is marimba or vibes, and uh, one of your four pieces. And I picked this m monstrous violin concerto that it's, it's all permanent 
played. He's a great Israeli, uh, uh, you know, violinist virtuoso. He played it as his encore, which means it's got to kick some butt. Yeah. It's a beautiful piece called The Introduction to Ronda Capricioso by Camille Sanson. I can send you a copy of that and then you, you can play it, but it's ridiculous. So I spent maybe two hours a day for 365 days learning that piece and building mm. it up to the... I mean, at the end, it's like... I'm going... So my teacher said, wow. When I gave my recital, and it was one of four pieces. I played a timpani, a virtuosic timpani piece, two pianos and percussion with two virtuoso, uh, uh, you know, grand pianos, and then a percussionist and a drummer, a uh, timpanist, and, uh, and then two other pieces. But he said, I want you to enter this contest. So I, it's a concerto contest. All right, I enter it and I win. That means I perform with a 60-piece orchestra, this violin concerto, memorized, of course, on a marimba in, a, in an opera hall at Indiana University. This, this opera hall is bigger than the New York Met in New York. Wow. I mean, this school does not mess around. Anyway, I kicked butt on it, and uh, that was when I was 20, 20 barely 23. How do you so, get from there to auditioning with uh, Mellencamp? Well, was what happened was, so, so I, I get into the Jerusalem Symphony Orchestra, which is huge because there aren't yeah. that many orchestras. And I turn it down because I still want to be in the Beatles. So the next four years, I'm struggling trying to catch up to be a rock guy. And many times I was like, why did you do this classical <laughs> training? All those years, you could have been playing drum set. Now I'm thinking, I got to compete with Steve Gadd, Steve Smith, Billy Cobham, Vinnie Caliuta. I mean, I'm like, what? Oh, man, I felt so lost. Anyway, I'm practicing eight hours a day, seven days a week, studying with two great drum set teachers, one in New York, in Boston. I'm living at home. Then I moved back to Indiana. Everyone told me, you're making a big mistake. The music business is in... I'm sure you can relate to this because you're in Minneapolis. Music business is in Nashville, New York, L.A., yeah. not in Indiana, College Town. So right. I go back there to form a band. It was a fusion band. You know, we were playing Gino Vanelli and some Cobham and, you know, Mahavishnu Orchestra. I mean, you know, that's the music I liked. And the idea, the business model was get in a house, write songs, get a record deal, make a record, go on tour didn't happen so i'm like god i'm 27 you guys so it's like she's i'm gonna move to new york but a week before i move i'm having so this you were totally march. searching at that time basically i'm not part of a team i'm like i'm jobless uh, so i'm having lunch with this girl a singer songwriter says hey you know there's this guy uh he's got a record deal and he's on this new network called mtv and I went, oh, yeah, I've seen him, and he's on the radio, and he just got back from tour opening up for Kiss, and, uh, you know, he fired his drummer last night, went, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. I went, whoa, touring, records, TV, Saturday Night Live? Well, he wasn't on Saturday Night Live yet, but anyway, I go running out of the restaurant, go to a pay phone, because there was no yeah. cell phone, put a quarter in, call the guitar player. Say, look it, man, if you, I, can I audition? Are you auditioning? So I'll call you back in two weeks. Call me back, says, all right, you can audition. I audition, and the wild thing is, I only played two songs, and uh, of course I memorized the entire 
recent record, playing. I wrote everything out, mm -hmm. memorized everything. Funny thing is, I, I didn't understand why the drummer played so simple. I, this was not my realm. I was in a yeah. different... It was almost like I'd been looking through a telescope, and now I'm looking through a microscope. Both worlds, you know, are valid, but just different directions. So right. I win the audition, but... The way I found out was as I'm packing up 15 minutes after we played, there was a meeting with the band and the guitar player who I'd call it comes down and says, smiles, shakes my hand, goes, welcome to hell. <laughs> I went, I'm so, uh, I'm so pumped. Five weeks later, we're in LA at, at Cherokee Studios on Fairfax. I'm sure you know. Yeah. And, and I'm mm -hmm. making a record. I tell everybody, everybody, I've done it. I've done it. I'm making it. And after two days of recording, I'm fired. Oh, no way. Yeah. We stay at the Chateau Marmont on Sunset. We have a band meeting. And I can feel it. I can feel the vibe. Yep. And my boss says, you're not playing a record. You're fired. And I'm like, what? And here's the bottom line. Here's the deal. Well, you're recording with tape back then, no Pro Tools. So they need the drummer to have great drums, great sound, great time, great feel, play with a click track, be able to take instruction, be able to adapt and adjust, be creative, be innovative, have good communication skills, be able to adapt and adjust, all this stuff. And the producer needed to get the record. It was Steve Cropper in eight weeks. Wow. That means record the drums and then overdub everything, and then do the vocals, which takes forever, and then, you know, mix it. I mean, it's that's so... Eight weeks is a short time with a kind of a green band. So the producer says, no, I got to use my session guys. So my boss is telling me, you're not making a record, you can go home. And what I happened after that was a life-changing moment. And what it was, I said, no, I'm not really? going home. That would be do? like me saying to you, Paul... Hey, Paul, I'm firing you. And you go, no, you can't. I went, you're fired. He says, nope, I'm not fired. I went, what don't you understand <laughs> about your fucking fired? And so I look back and what was happening was this guy was trying to take away my purpose in life, my bliss, mm. my deepest desires. I was like done. I'm done. I did the classical thing. This is where I want to be. I didn't know what I was going to do, but you can't send me home. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. Yeah, I felt like a loser. Mm. I felt just all this negative stuff. So I'm trying to negotiate a deal that'll benefit the both of us. So I go, all right, am I still the drummer in your band or what? And that, there was silence. <laughs> and he's going, you're half fired. We're going to break away from the interview right now because I want to tell you about a couple of really cool things. First of all, thank you to everybody who's embraced Funk Friday. We are having so much fun bringing a little joy to the internet every single Friday with a one-minute funk jam. So thank you so much for that. And if you like Funk Friday and you like music on the run and you want to become our partner and help us put those shows on, go to patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. Again, become our partner at patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. 
and there you'll get all the information on how you can financially help us produce this podcast and get some pretty cool merchandise and incentives in return. I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank the patrons who've already signed up. We could not do this show without you. As always, thank you so much for supporting us here at Music on the Run. Now back to our interview. He's going, you're half fired. Well, you're not playing on the record. You're still in the band, but you're not playing on the record. So I said, all right, uh, uh, and I'm fumbling. I go, I'm going to go in the studio, and I'm going to watch these suckers play my drum parts on your yep. record. And I'll watch, and I'll learn, I'll take notes, and I'll benefit from that. And you'll benefit, because I'm your drummer, right? Right? Right. Silence. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, all right, you don't have to pay me, and I'll sleep on the couch. Really? Yeah, that sounds good. What employer doesn't love hearing the employee will work for free? But right, dude, I learned so much watching these guys. The whole thing was I had no experience making records. Yeah. I had literally, this is the bottom line, I had no experience making records that get on an album, that get played on the radio and become a number one hit. I mean, the purpose of a session player, you and me, Really, if we're hired, is one thing. Get the song on the radio, it'll be a number one hit. Right. It's not about me, it's mm. about we. We, The yeah. producer, the artist, the song, the music, anything but me. What can I do to get the song on the radio? It's not about me, forget about me. It's about what do I, what do I say, what do I not say, what do I play, what do I not play? Get the song on the radio to be number one. Right. And so I, I, I didn't even think that way before. I never even... It was always about me. Think about it. When you're practicing all day long for, as a child, it's all about you. Me, me, me. How do I sound? How do I look? Mm. How do I play? Me, me, me. But now it was pivoting into this new world. And that's when I went home after those four weeks, I went, wow. Okay. I have to, how do I learn to be the drummer to serve this guy's music, this guy, this band? How do I fit in with this new corporation I'm in? Yeah. So... I made a vow. I says, I'm going to make that next record. I got to redeem myself. So let's jump ahead four, two years. Yeah. We're in Criteria Studios in Miami. You know it. And listen, this guy, I'll, I'll reveal his name in a sec. This guy, it was the hardest, most miserable record I've ever made in my life. Which, you know, I mean, he was going through a divorce. Oh. He was about to lose his record deal. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. and uh, And I saw him go by me and the bass player one night in the dark on this Harley at 80 miles an hour and the dog jumped out. The bike goes down, hits the pavement, sparks are flying everywhere. Motorcycle hits a tree and explodes. And we're like, slam on the brakes, headlights, bright lights come on. And we're just like, oh my God, all of a sudden he's hobbling across the road and then back across. That son of a gun, when the bike went down, got on the bike, spinning around, and was athletic enough to push off before it hit the tree. Oh. So the bottom line is, he was not in the greatest mood. Two guys in the band got fired. Bass player, keyboard player. I almost got in a fist fight with him because he was being a complete jerk. Yeah. And I realized if we get into that, I'll be fired. And I yep. vowed I'd be on this record. And it's triggering all that. Thing that happened two years ago. So all of a sudden, I get summoned three hours later to come in the control room. Boss goes, dude, we need a drum thing here after the second chorus. Machine is kind of boring here. Like a solo right there. 
And I'm excited and terrified. I'm terrified if I fail, I'll get fired. Mm-hmm. If I, if, but I'm excited. I'm going to be on the record. Thank God they spent all day getting drum sounds because back then, most of the drums were recorded in like vocal booths so they could control the ambience. Yep. And well, this, this guy wanted the drums in the big room. He wanted the biggest drum sound in the world. And In the Air Tonight was on the charts with Phil Collins. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was a big sound. Yes, it was. So during that whole time getting sounds, I'm thinking, what am I going to play? That's going to serve this guy's song. That's going to get the song on the record. That'll get it on the radio. And what can I play that's going to come flying through, uh, you know, car stereos, TV, you know, speakers, mm-hmm. and you know, radio. And um, so it's now it's my t- time. And the and the machine is going dish dish dish, ka dish dish dish. And this is what I call my kabam moment. K A, get it, Kenny Aronoff? And so, doo, 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 like doo. kabam, kabam. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like kalabunga. So it's uh, kabam, and I stop, and I look in the control room, and everyone, nine of them, are going like that. I'm like, Whew, still got my job. That's what I'm thinking. Right. So I try a whole bunch of stuff, and I hit a dead end, and I'm summoned in, and they go, do this. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do this. My head's spinning, and yeah. I go, oh, my God. I got to save my career. I got to save my ass. So I'm, I get out there. I'm 50 feet away from the drums. I'm going, dude, this is the moment. This is your moment. Strike out, and you lose the World Series. Hit a home run, and you win the World Series. I'm 40 feet from the drums, and I'm going, what are you going to play? I'm at 30 feet. I don't know. 20 yep. feet. What are you going to play, dude? 10 feet. I don't know. I get to the drums. I look at them and I look up at those guys. I'm like, shit. I went, okay. Instead of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use what I already did, but somehow do it different, which is basically I shifted it in eighth note. Instead of playing like boom, blah, goosh, goosh, go, I went boom, blah, one, uh, 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 which is all offbeat. Mm-hmm. And the boss goes, yeah. Look, at the long and short of it is, this ended up being John Cougar oh, yeah. Mellencamp's biggest number one hit single ever. And we got, well, he got two Grammys. We sold millions of copies. This was like, it's like I hit a home run. The classic, and, the classic Kenny Aronoff drum fill in the middle of that song makes that song for me. I mean, it's a great song, but what a moment for you. Yeah, I mean, it well, it, what a moment it, for the song! It blo- it launched my career. Of course, it launched my career. I remember, I remember Harvey Mason seeing me at Nam and go, "Dude, are you the boom ba doosh doosh do 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 ba ba boom boom?" That was the beginning of. Now I'm I'm dude. Do you think that corporation, John Mellencamp, didn't want me? I just made him a million dollars. Now, for the next 17 years in that band, every time he played a song, and I mean, they all sounded pretty much the same. Acoustic guitar. He'd play it twice and go, what do you got, Aronoff? And I used to think, God damn, man, give me a chance. But what what was happening? smart. I made millions of dollars. Do it again. And so for the next 17 years, that's exactly what I did. He challenged you to do that. And oh, yeah. you had to well, come up. You had to come I had to, to always come up. He'd go like, that's a shit beat. Look, it hurts so good. That was my first big song. That was the first single on the radio 
before Jack and Diane. Yeah. Hurts Were Good and Jack and Diane were in the top 10 at the same time. Back then, this, there's a million charts. You could be number one on chart, and there's maybe 50 records sold, never even played on the radio. This was the day where there was two formats, singles and album-oriented format. Right. If you were on a singles format and you were number one, you were on every friggin' station in the world. You were on Saturday Night Live, American Bandstand, Solid Gold, every TV. You were obnoxiously everywhere. It's not like, hey, well, I'm on... I hear people say, yeah, I'm on 20 number one singles. What? Never heard one of your songs, and they sound like shit anyway. <laughs> it's like, because they're number one on some format that nobody listens to or cares about. Yeah. This was... You knew yeah. it. If you were number one, you were competing with Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. The Jackson 5 or the McCartney or, I mean, you know, Billy Joel, the police, Tom Petty, the, you know, the Stones. I mean, everybody. Springsteen, you know, they were dominating the charts, man. So, it hurt so good. What happened? When I got in Mellencamp and I started practicing left-handed to dumb my playing down. So, that means I'm playing a left-handed lead on the hi-hat as opposed to right-handed lead. And uh, uh, John plays this song, Hurt So Good. Hurt so good. Come on, baby, make it hurt so good. So I'm thinking, ah. And I went, maybe I'll try softly. I'm going, you know, and I'm playing left-handed. And John goes, whoa, what beat are you playing? I'm like, ah, oh, shit. He's going to hate. He says, why haven't you ever played that beat before? I went, <laughs> I've been playing that beat for two years. Right. Wow. But here's the takeaway. He doesn't know if it's left or right-handed. The feel was different. I was a beginner playing left-handed, so it was sort of sloppy and greasy sure. and cool. Yeah. John loved that. So the whole song was built around that feel. And I remember being at Cherokee where I got fired. Yep, right. I'm back there making a number two hit single, and... Um, on the same record as Jack and Diane, and and so I'm listening to the playback, and I remember going before I listen to the playback, I go in and I'm like, God, man, I'm playing these stupid drum beats, you know. Jeff Picaro's got all the cool sh stuff on, you know, Rosanna, and and then you know, Stuart Copeland gets to play. Bonham is like killing it, and yeah. I'm stuck with do da do da da, and then I heard the playback, and the drums were way up in the mix. Mm. And I went, oh, my God, it's not the part. It's the feel and the energy and the personality and the spirit. And you could feel every emotion I'm going through. And I went, that is That's the it. shit. That's feeling. And, man, when that thing was on the radio, the drums were so loud. John said, I want to blow the shit out of any song that comes after us, and I want to crush any song that came before us. And we did. Because <laughs> the others, the song that kept Hurt So Good out of being number one was Ebony and Ivory. And then the only thing that made it more difficult was was I the Tiger because the Rocky saw right, that movie was out. Gunk, 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 gunk. At least it was had some balls, but still. As he flips the finger, yes. So take me, 
take me to the 18 years on the road. Here's what I want to talk about. Because this is music on the run, it's we like to talk about how did you survive out on the road? You've been on the road forever. Yeah. But we could talk about what the difference is between being on the road back in those days to up to here. How do you, first of all, you look like a kid still. How do you do that? Let's start there, and then we'll talk about life on the road. Well, I mean, and this is me out of shape, folks. No, the thing is, um, all right, I have the eight steps to a healthy life, and I put it together. I was doing it all along, but I put together eight things. All right, I'll try to go real fast. No, please. Weight training, weight training, it makes you strong. But more important is it uh, builds your hormone levels up, or in my case, since I'm an old fuck, keeps my hormone levels up, which keeps your immune system up. Funny how that's important right now. Mm. Cardio, only way to exercise the heart muscle. Also, keeps your hormone levels up and your immune system up. So, Number three is uh, some form of stretching. So you've got strength, endurance, and flexibility. The other day I was like, because I've been standing, getting ready for the speech, I was like, like, old man, I went right into yoga, yoga. I'm telling you, 15 minutes of yoga, twice a day, for two days, done. I was like, flexible and whoo, you know. Wow. So, so you got those. Number four, big, is diet. You yeah. are what you eat. Yep. It's more like what you shouldn't eat, you know. No, fried food's not good. Too much sugar's not good. Uh-huh. Alcohol's I'm fine. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you have the alcohol. I'll have the sugar. That's my yeah. vice. My no, I mean, vice. drinking's okay in, in moderation. Or not, you know, I'm the type of guy, you know, I like to drink. You know, I have a little bit of drink. Or I'll take two weeks off. I don't have to do it. Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, uh, you know, nobody, they never go in the hospital. Oh, my God, he had a heart attack. He was told not to have Six pieces of broccoli. Six, you know, will kill you. You know what I'm saying? That never happens. Right. Vegetables aren't going to kill you. So I eat, I eat red meat and I eat chicken and I eat fish. I get the best quality. I don't eat a lot. Of, it's kind of a paleo diet. It's like, you know, you just don't eat a lot of grains. You eat mostly meat and vegetables. Yeah. That's okay. pretty much it. And you stay away from, uh, uh, yeah, grains, uh, except for potatoes. That's okay. And certain nuts. Uh, I mean, I, I slip and goof up all the time because I'm a peanut butter junkie. But so yeah. a diet, let, let's just say diet. Now, the the fifth thing for me is supplements. I'm a supplement king because I, I push myself. I'm the guy that used to sleep only four hours a night. So, you know, a good multiple. During this yep. COVID, I'm taking two care, quercetin. Quercetin encapsulates all your cells. It, it, the COVID can be in you, but apparently it won't. viruses can't get into the cells. So I take quercetin. 10,000 milligrams of D3. D3 is an immune booster. I've been doing mm-hmm. that for years. And then zinc. I take a certain amount of zinc. All these things I've been tested. I get a, a, an annual executive blood test every year. They know exactly what's going on in my body. So right. if like if my vitamin D levels are low, it increases my D. If they're high, this is D3. And if they're high, we'll de- you know, bring it down, and so, so on and so forth. You know, I take a DHEA supplement and a pregnenolone. These are all you know, important, and I think they're all hormone-related. Yes, yeah, vitamin C. I take uh, fish oil. Fish oil, you guys, good for like about 30 different things, including hair, which obviously works <laughs> for me. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I do. I have hair on my tongue. Do you? Nice. I, <laughs> shave that. Shave that bad boy. 
It just grew in the wrong place. So um, let me see. I could go on and on. I take green food. A lot of times for breakfast, I'll have coconut milk with no sugar. Um, I'll take a scoop of protein powder that yep. is uh, super. It's like gluten-free and inflammation-free. And uh, then I take a scoop of uh, green food. By It's called Nano Greens. Great company. N-A- N-O greens. I'm going to write um, that down because I do a, yeah. a doctor. There's a, sure, there's a green, like there's that. a protein powder. I can't remember. It's my doctor designed it. But there's different ones. There's one called Kachava, K-A-C-H-A-V-A. And that's a plant-based, you know, I mix plant-based with, uh, you know, uh, you know, animal, whatever the other one is because it, it affects my muscles differently. So anyway, at least me. Uh, yep. And then uh, in that I put a scoop of fish oil and a cup of, of blueberries. Okay. Blueberries are great for mm-hmm. immune boosting. And you get natural sugar and then a scoop of peanut butter or almond butter. I love better, that too. You know, and that gives and the fat from the uh, peanut butter or almond butter. That and the sugar will curtail your appetite. Three espressos. Three. Three. Now, here's my new thing, folks. Okay. Wake up, have a big glass of freshly squeezed celery juice. Ooh. Now, the thing about celery juice, it, t- it takes inflammation down or keeps inflammation in you. Inflammation is the new thing. Inflammation is, look, it, if you're suffering and you have pain, that's an alarm that something's not right in your body. That's your body crying. That's your body having tears, the tears that you don't have in your eyeballs. Your body's crying. It's telling you we got a problem. If you have inflammation in your body, that means there's a problem. The body is trying to adapt and and fix itself. You take it, then 30 minutes, if you really want to go super, Ken, you go water and lemon juice. Lemon juice will kill viruses. Fresh squeezed lemon, water. 30 minutes later, celery juice. 30 minutes later, finally... Three espressos. <laughs> then I take the protein powder. No, dude. And I'm um, a, anyway, it's kabam I'm, I'm coffee. I'm a total coffee junkie. I do that, and then I do my protein shake. And I survive. Yeah, I'm telling you what, this morning I did it. I just wanted to get going fast. Six is uh, water. And yeah. I could do better on the water thing, but uh, you, you realize, oh, good. Yeah, I could do better. Every organ in your body, every organ in your body needs water. And is coffee water? Out. Huh? There's, there's water in coffee, right? Yeah, and in liquor. <laughs> <laughs> Only if some, you add it. Some people stretch it. It's in cigarettes too. <laughs> That's it's in it's in everything. Yeah, yeah. When you, it's when in ice cream. Out, when, when you're making out with your girlfriend, there's, you know, somehow there's water. You got to yeah. do that to drink. Anyway, that's, six is water. That, yeah. So anyway, I. Uh, the water, you could live 40 days without food, but only three days without water. Mm-hmm. Really heavy. Um, so water, and then the next two, uh, I'm constantly working on. Next two is some form of uh, relaxation. Stress is the worst thing for your health. Yeah. Um, and so you create a, a meditation or a thing. I'm, I'm into this thing called... Um, you know, I'm in this thing called breathing. But there's, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to try that sometime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've been we holding your breath. Have you been holding your breath your entire life? Sometimes I feel like it, Kenny. Yeah, I know. There's a thing. Check out you guys. This guy they call him the Ice Man, Wim 
Hoff, W-I-M-H-O-F-F. This guy climbed Mount Everest in his shorts. His thing is so intense. He can, if you, I've done like a 35-minute breathing, it's basically going, and the, the simple exercise, 30 of those, hold your breath for 15, no, hold your breath for a minute. Oh. I, and that you let your, no, 30 breaths, breathe out, hold your breath for th- uh, one minute, then breathe in, hold for 15 seconds, do it again. Do, and then hold your breath for a minute and a half, do it again, hold your breath for two minutes. I sometimes can't do it past one minute it's yeah. just where I, that day. The point is what it does, it gets rid of inflammation, completely really? energy energizes you and relaxes you so what i do is i do that feel like a million bucks i even sometimes start giggling it makes me feel good i do that four times so like and like i said i've done classes where i've done it 35 times for 35 minutes and 45 Ooh. minutes yeah and when you're done you feel so energized what it does is you know when let's say an antelope gets chased by a lion and it gets yeah. away it goes into fight or fight when it sees the line. Mm-hmm. It runs, it runs, and when it's free, it goes. Yeah. You don't know how animals do that? You have a dog yeah. that does uh-huh. that? Ever? Sure. That's them shaking off stress and tension. And the breathing does that. Ah. The breathing shakes off all your, and so it takes rid of stress. Uh, that's number seven. Finally, number eight is sleep. Okay. And sleep is one of my weakest things. That's the only time your brain and body repairs itself. Literally, at night, you know, when you're sleeping and you're repairing your brain, you're getting all the ashes out of your brain, clearing out the 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 you know the black matter, gray matter. And uh, you know, I'm a, not a great sleeper, but I try to get seven or eight. So even if I get up five times at night, yep. I go back to sleep because my brain is going. And maybe it's the coffee and a little bit of supplements keeping me going. But mm. you know, it's just sleep is important. So those are my big eight. And I know it took a long time, but you guys, no, that, 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 that is the found, it's the foundation of mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. It's With super. That, it's super important shit. for 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 you to pass that message on. It's what the whole podcast, besides, of course, our musical connection, is all about. It's how to inspire people who are traveling all the time, whether it's business people, politicians, uh, musicians, yeah. whatever the case may be. How We look at you, Kenny, and I said it before, I said, you look great, you look like a kid. You look the same today as you did when we did that record 20 years ago. Yeah, and there is a secret to that. And you, there is a secret to that. Yeah, and you sharing not, that yeah. and passing that on to everybody is what this is about, man. Well, that's good because I'm glad you are about that because I really believe that the biggest thing that an individual can do in life is to be positive and be the light. We're going through a very difficult time in the world right now. It's Mm -hmm. really getting down to good and evil. So if you're good and you have that positive energy, the ripple effect of how you feel will affect the people around you. That's the most we can do. Yeah is affect the people around us and then they affect the others. So if I've been, you know, passed on anything positive, that's a good thing. Right. That's a good thing, which is what you just said. Do you, do you think it's a choice? I have asked other guests this. It's, you can either choose to be positive 
or you can not be positive. I mean, I, th- yep, I, I think you it. have a choice when you wake up every day to be grateful, to be positive, or not. I agree. Now, that aside, some people have a can be chemically, of course, uh, you know, their chemistry can be in a in a way that, like for example, if I tell somebody your dog is dead, okay. You hear that thought and you immediately go, oh, and you feel ill, your yeah. knees buckle, you, f- you get depressed, and vice versa, if you're feeling chemically down, those thoughts can come in your head. Mm. And then it becomes a vicious cycle between your brain and your chemistry. Right. And so, but if you know that, you can work with that. That's right. what I'm, that's the message. You can work with it. Right. Go to the positive. I think if we did know, ignore that, they, we we would be in a much better place. And I we, I believe we still have an opportunity here with what's going on in our nation to do that, yeah. to do the right thing. Yeah, we can do that. I agree. And any little bit you can do. This is not sugar coated and like, oh my God, I'm going to change the world with you know big. It's one person to like in my. Well, there's only two people in my house, me and my, uh, my wife. So if, if she's going down, I try to be a positive influence. Mm-hmm. I try to be like a, a team leader, a king, a coach, uh, you know. Uh, if nothing else, I don't have to say anything. It's the way I act. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you tell people something and they're like, nah, you can do <laughs> yeah. so. You can influence your environment by the way you carry yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, not tell somebody something you just the way you carry yourself the way you talk will influence the people around you you set an example you know people are watching people are listening all the time okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna be good to you because i know that you you probably have twenty thousand other things to do but before i let you go vaccine is here have are, are do you have plans for 21 or or is it what are you thinking for, for yeah yeah i've already started here? i've already started joe satriani's new record oh perfect which eventually i'll tour on okay i'm uh, about to write six charts today for four for one artist another one for the bass player from uh he's doing a, a thing for he plays with um oh, i'm spacing it's italian huge italian artist uh, uh, i recorded with him and i'm spate what Sugaro? um We'll dub. Uh, we'll dub it in. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> no. Um. Um. Anyway, and uh, the uh, it's more recording. More. Uh, my agent says it's going to be a bunch of speaking events I have to do, and I I, I spend a week at least a week preparing going over each speech i will adjust for the the people i'm speaking to each speech uh, each corporation has a different theme and i, I try to accommodate them so uh, i am so busy between sessions that podcasts um right. i'm working on just i can't even remember all the stuff i'm doing oh they're writing a legends book on me and modern drummer so i've got to edit you know uh, the interview um it's always something you know um it's it's just nonstop. I can't think of all of it, but it's. I come to this studio every day, and I'm working full on. Yeah. Well, I hope to see you back out on the road when it's safe to go back out on the road. That's what I want to do, I, and I want to. Put- I think what I, I think what's going to happen is that this year is going to be where they're going to have 
They're not going to have major touring. It's just too impossible, in my opinion. Too many variables. Every state's mm-hmm. different. Yeah. There are venues. Which ones are still open? Which ones are closed? You got people that have left the business. The, the people in crews had to figure out how to su- support themselves. You've got crews. You've got tour buses, planes, buses, oh, venues. Yeah. Different countries have different laws. And the COVID's going to go through it, what it's going to go through. Right. And there's so many variables. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. It's too many variables. Not yet. There's too much we don't know and we're learning about. But it's going to be all. It's going to come back. Look at it. I hate. I, I, this is a horrible situation. But this has happened many times before we were alive. It happens. It's the way the world works. There are pandemics and yep. people adjust, and, and and we're just experiencing it first time. And that I want to add. That's the tricky thing about this thing. Give every, yeah. everyone your your website so we can come out, find more information about your speaking, get your book. Give us that info. Yeah, uh, my website's www.kennyaronoff. And my last name is A-R and then it's on, O-N, off, O-F-F, dot com. And there you can see my speaking page. Yep. You can reach out to me to do sessions there. Um, and then I'm... Hi, they didn't throw me off Twitter yet. Um it, <laughs> <laughs> Do you, you need never to be know thrown off Twitter? Thrown off. Oh Any God, one of God. us could get thrown off for anything. I'm a drummer. I'll probably get thrown off. So uh, Twitter is official, uh, official Aronoff. Uh, LinkedIn is Kenny Aronoff. Instagram is Kenny Aronoff. Facebook is Kenny Aronoff. If you ask me to add you, I'm so sorry. I got tapped out like a hundred years ago. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. And yeah, you guys, this has been awesome. Kenny, you have stayed relevant for 40 years. You're a positive cat. We don't get to see each other all the time, but every time I talk to you, man, you always lead with such a great attitude. And it isn't about how you handle yourself, man. I feel people feel good to be around you. You're an inspiration, not only as a, a great drummer, but as a good man. So thank you for who you are. And thanks for all the great music that you've made over the years, man. And I can't wait to make more music with you again. All right, 2021, you and I are doing something together. We are. On Zoom, virtually something. We got to do that. And, uh, are you playing guitar or bass on these things? It doesn't things? matter. I'm playing everything on these things. We're going to get him I on a fun you, Friday, everybody. We're going to figure stripes. it out. You and I will be the White Stripes, but a different name. No, but the, well, we the, white, brown, so. the Brown Stains. <laughs> <laughs> How about Beauty and the Beast? You'll be Beauty. That's You're right. way better looking at me. It'll be Beauty and the Beast. I love it. Beauty and the Beast. And it's just you and me. You playing bass and singing. Okay. Yeah, it'll be called Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. That's it. That's it for this edition of Music on the Run, episode 30. This is my buddy, Kenny Aronoff. Thanks so much. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right, buddy. See ya. Music on the Run was hosted by yours truly, St. Paul Peterson. Edited and produced by my buddy, Davide Razzo. Video editing by Ivan Sebastianov. And a very special thanks to the people who financially support this podcast. And remember, bald is beautiful.